okay. Been a minute. Been off. Uh, been uh, been off like many of you around the state with the holidays and uh, uh, limited game action throughout the state. As many of you obviously celebrated the holidays, celebrated the new year. Uh, I was off doing the same. I did drop a video earlier this week in case you didn't catch it. I did uh, some of the big games, big games, big wins, I should say, big wins. Uh, that happened or that I took note of over the holiday weekend. Holiday week, not weekend, sorry. Uh, a little rusty. I'm ironing out some of the kinks here, as I'm sure uh, you know. many of the programs around the state were doing over the holiday break. You know, this time of year, um, always kind of a tricky one with uh, from, from my coaching experience, coaching background, where you're in the middle of the season. You feel like things are kind of starting to click there. You've got seven, eight, nine games under your belt, feeling pretty good about yourselves or maybe pretty bad about yourselves. Maybe you're not quite playing the way you wanted to be playing. Um, and then you go on break for, for a good two weeks. And some kids are on the ice. Some kids aren't. Some kids have vacations. Some kids aren't available to practice, you know, two, three, four times a week like you were before. So it can be kind of a tricky time where you want to work on things, but you don't really have access or resources or players available to work on some of those things. So it's kind of a tricky, tricky time. You know, football doesn't really go through anything like that. Basketball, I guess, kind of shares our sympathies there. Uh, baseball doesn't really have those struggles. So it's just kind of a unique um, hurdle that I think we have to uh, deal with in the high school hockey space. Uh, and always a tricky one. Sometimes can work in your favor and you can kind of hit reset and, you know, retweak, refine the power play or the four check, uh, spend some one-on-one -on -one time meeting with kids and players and, and going over film and doing some of the detailed stuff that you didn't get to do when the season started because it's a little helter skelter out of the gate. Um, so it can be very beneficial, but it can also be a little tricky. Uh, you know, I mentioned it in my games of the week that I put on pdspicks.com yesterday. Um, that the first weekend week of games coming out, coming into the new year um, are always a little tricky teams that looked really good in the first half might come out a little sluggish because they haven't been on the ice in a couple weeks. Teams that struggled through the first half might've been able to fix and correct some of those mistakes and hit the, hit the ice, hit the ground running, hit the ice skating uh, to start the, the, the new calendar in 2024. So this weekend, you know, you could see, some upsets that you weren't expecting, some volatility uh, and things like that. So it's always a tricky one as a coach, I'm sure as a player too, where you're kind of um, re reacclimating yourself back into the hockey season after being off, even if you're off for a couple of days, right. And uh, visiting family, loading up on food, even if it's just two or three days, it gets you kind of out of that uh, schedule that you were in. Uh, so a, a little tough there uh, over the next couple of days, but uh, okay, so this episode got a lot I want to get into. Uh, going to update my rankings a little bit. Uh, I'm going to hold off on publishing until after the weekend. I want to see how some games play out over the weekend. Uh, I want to highlight a few of the super important games of the week coming up tonight, coming up tomorrow. Uh, as I mentioned, I think there's about 11 games I highlighted. Uh, on the website. You can check them out. You can make your picks as well on pdspicks.com, but there's maybe three or four games I really wanted to focus in on and, and get into there. Uh, I'm also going to tease my mid-season dream team, and I'll have more 
on this on the website as well. But I'm going to name drop a couple players I think that have stood out to me as some of the top performers through the first half of the season. Uh, plus, I'm going to share some thoughts here. Cap City, Manistique, Marquette, Saginaw Heritage, just to kind of name a few of those programs that I was kind of catching up on over uh, winter break and watching back some games. I want to share my thoughts on them. Uh, and then also kind of some big news, a look ahead to next week. Uh, I will be in Traverse City for the North-South Showcase, so I want to give that some uh, attention over the next week or so too. So, But anyway, that sounds good. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube, follow on Apple and Spotify, and obviously connect with me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we can talk about it. So, uh, okay, uh, let me, I'll update the rankings here. So the, my top 10 is relatively unchanged. Uh, I did flip-flop Heartland and Brighton after Heartland put a good good thumping on him in that rivalry game. Beat him five to nothing there, I believe, before break. Uh, they will meet one more time, I believe, later on this season as kind of the the uh, rubber match in that three games that they will that they're scheduled to play this season, and then you know, maybe even potentially a fourth one there come playoff time. So, uh, so we'll see there. Uh, I also bumped up Orchard Lake pretty significantly. Might have subconsciously been dogging them a bit. I I don't know what necessarily, but obviously their body of work thus far kind of speaks for itself. Uh, so they got a pretty good bump. Uh, and then GRCC, I, I dropped them out of the top 10 after their loss to the Bay Reps. But uh, Bay Reps and GRCC are set to play a second time tonight, actually. So the rematch will definitely be worth keeping an eye on as well. Uh, Romeo, Lumen Christie, Allen Park are all kind of on the fringe of my top 25 uh, at the moment. And that's kind of what I meant by I want to see how this weekend unfolds, see how that kind of shakes out before I finalize my top 25 for the month of January. Uh, top 10 is available. It's on pdspicks.com. You can absolutely check that out now. Top 25, I'll drop that. I'll kind of expand the rankings there and put out the top 25 uh, sometime next week, probably. So, uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, okay. Let's, we'll get into some dream team talk. Let's do some dream team stuff. Uh, do got to clarify a little bit. So I am not affiliated with the Michigan high school hockey coaches association. The MHS HCA is ultimately the governing body. If that's what you want to call it, the, the decision makers on dream team at the end of the year. So, uh, I can talk and make my picks and, and players and all this, but at the end of the day, what I say really uh, has no bearing on the final dream team at the end of the season. I just want to make that clear before uh, we head down the rabbit hole too much. But uh, that whole process, if you're not aware, I can kind of shed some light on it. So the at the end of the year, players are nominated and voted for to make – uh, the All-State teams, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, All-State teams. From the All-State team, uh, I believe it's first teams, first team All-State, those selections are then sent to the coaches. They vote on their top, their top three forwards, top two defensemen, and the top goalie. And that ultimately is how the dream team is selected at the end of the year. Once you have those six players those six players go out on a ballot to coaches again, and they vote amongst those six to determine Mr. Hockey. 
Uh, it's always kind of true. And I don't know that I've nailed that explanation, but I, it's essentially in a nutshell there. Uh, I know there's always questions at the end of the year, kind of how players are determined, you know, how people make it on to the All-State team, how do they make it onto the Dream team, and then ultimately how do they uh, become Mr. Hockey. So that's kind of the, the route, the path there. Uh, a lot of voting, a lot of work amongst coaches, uh, pretty coordinated effort, I think. And, um, and uh, it's no easy task. Like it's a lot of emails going out, ballots being submitted, numbers being calculated. It's, it's a lot of work. And, and I feel like the guys who put in that legwork and figure all that out, uh, definitely deserve a shout out here. I know it's, I know a lot of people get frustrated with the system or frustrated with how long it may take at times. And um, it's no easy task. And if you want to help them, <laughs> they probably won't turn you away. Uh, so it's one of those types of things where, um, you know, I do my best not to complain about things I'm not willing to fix myself. I'll put it that way or get involved with myself. Um, so, yeah. Uh, okay. Let me see here. I'm going to start with goalies. Um to me, the goaltending position was pretty murky at the beginning of the year. I didn't really see any goaltenders separating themselves as kind of the, the top goaltender in the state. But I think with the emergence of Bryant Lee for Houghton, uh, that's kind of made it an easy decision, in my opinion. Um, you know, nobody really separated themselves from the pack, but I think Lee, with what he's done through the first half of the season, 9-0-0 to start. Obviously, Houghton is undefeated. Lee has a lot to do with that. Uh, a sub-1 goals against average. I believe it's at .89 at the moment. A 9-5-6 save percentage. Those numbers are out of this world. Uh, and three shutouts on top of that. And if you look at who that's against, no less, uh, five teams that I have in my top 25 right now, Heartland, Marquette, Hancock twice, Trenton, like that's, those are some, some tough opponents that he is uh, basically taken out of the equation. Um, and so in my mind, I think his body of work thus far has really separated himself from the rest of the goaltenders in the state. Um, I think Trent Goheen is probably another name I'd kind of have lumped in there. Um, you know, I know he's a super talented kid. I, I do want to get more eyes on GRCC in general. Uh, and uh, and kind of get a better assessment of GRCC, Grand Rapids Christian, you know, EGR I've seen some of, Forest Hills teams I've seen both of them, but it's really kind of dial in some of those West Side teams, and, and I know Goheen being in the mix, I feel like he's got to be uh, in consideration here somewhere. So uh, Lee obviously is the one that stands out to me the most, and then maybe a couple others in consideration there as well. Uh, def on defense – to me, this is it's going to be a little tricky. Connor Raffelli is probably the best defenseman I've seen thus far. Uh, solid defenseman out of Houghton. Uh, was a Team Michigan guy last year. Super impactful player for Houghton. Maybe, like, may, I might like him the most out of that Gremlins team, too, just because I think he impacts the game in ways nobody else does for them. Uh, the problem is, and not really a problem, uh, 12 points in 12 games. He hasn't really been a stat stuffer, which I don't think is the end all be all when it comes to dream team consideration. Uh, but ultimately it kind of helps get your foot in the door, so to speak. I'll say in some of these conversations, Raffelli to me, 
is the top defenseman in the state, but his numbers aren't um, may not really support that claim. I guess I'll say uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. I think that's kind of how it ends up shaking out sometimes. Similar to if you remember Brendan Miles for Detroit Catholic Central a couple of years ago. You know, he was a guy who missed the first half of the season because he was in the USHL, came back to CC, I think after the new year and finished out the season with them. So uh, there's no question he was the number one defenseman in the state. He just didn't quite have the numbers that some of the others uh, did, obviously, because he only played a partial season. Raffelli, I think, is kind of in that same vein where the numbers aren't going to overwhelm you or blow you away. But if you really watch this kid, you know, it only takes a shift or two to go, yep, he's the best defenseman out there. Uh, so so Raffelli, I think, would at least be in consideration and obviously we would want to see how that ends up down the stretch uh, for him and for Houghton. Uh, the other one here, Nolan Burner from Flint Powers. He's got 17 points in 11 games for the Chargers. Between him, Raffelli, Roman Seco, I feel like all those guys are kind of right there in the mix uh, in consideration there for Dream Team. Um, you know, it's hard to argue any other defenseman in the state who's been more impactful on the game right now than a guy like Burner for Flint Powers. Uh, so those are, like I said, three of the guys kind of competing for two spots in my mind uh, there on Dream Team. So... Uh, let's see, I'll move up front here and I'm going to go maybe a little different with this. I'm going to mention every player I got in consideration and then I'll go player by player. Uh, Jackson Walsh from Catholic Central, Cam Duffney out of Brighton, uh, Ron Wade from Clarkston, Cade Pratt and Jackson Froisland from Byron Center, Michael Millette again from Houghton. A lot of Houghton kids, uh, in the mix here and, and maybe I'll start with Mikey. You know, I think two of the three Houghton players get in, in all likelihood. I don't see a situation where all three get in. So it's really going to come down to ultimately what the coaches decide there. Uh, Millette just possesses next level speed, can play at a pace almost nobody can uh, at the, in, in high school hockey anyways. Uh, another guy who's leading his, leading his team in scoring on an undefeated team, no less, against what's been a very tough schedule and only going to get tougher there for Houghton. Uh, so Millette, Raffelli, Bryant Lee, all three should kind of be in consideration. Do I think all three would get in? No, uh, but take your pick. Any two of the three, any one of the three uh, getting in the mix would, would be uh, would be appropriate, I think. Uh, okay, a couple others. I mentioned Jackson Walsh. To me, he's the best player on the best team. Stellar playmaker. Uh, can't help but feel like, you know, guys like Kale Rogowski, Sebi Ivasio, Colin Dell have really benefited from being on a line, being on the ice at the same time with a guy like Walsh. Uh, you know, he produces in big spots too, which is what I like. Uh, you know, a game-winning goal and a big comeback, come from behind win against Rice uh, towards the beginning of the season. Uh, Duffney, I've seen him a couple times now in person, uh, and every time has shown to be the best player on the ice every time I've watched him. Uh, I admit, though, like coming into the season, I had some concerns about Duffney and just kind of, you know, offensively, he's dynamic. There was no question about it. But defensively, there were maybe some vulnerabilities or just some aspects you would have liked to have seen more out of him. I'll put it that way. Uh, and so far this season, I feel like he's done a lot to quell those concerns, to kind of snuff out 
uh, any doubt I may have had. Really kind of rounding out into that 200-foot player that you want to see. He's got 30 points in just 12 games. Uh, and Brighton obviously has played uh, played a very tough schedule as well. So uh, two guys right off the rip, Walsh and, and Duffney. Uh, Cade Pratt from Byron Center, to me, you know, you hate to pick pick teammates against each other because I do think Pratt and Froisland both should be in the mix here. Uh, Pratt with 28 points in 12 games is, is pretty crazy. Uh, I'll get a real good look at them next weekend at the North South showcase uh, and, and we'll have my eye on them for sure. BC is undefeated uh, and both of them are you know, big reasons as to why is the, again, this is another one where is there enough room for both of them to squeeze into the dream team picture? Probably not, but you know, in the first week of January, it's fun to maybe speculate a little bit uh, on that potential outcome. So uh, I did gloss over. Okay, Ron Ron Wade here. You know, Clarkston, I watched him. I watched Wade on a line with Owen Croston and Kyle Lynch. I said that may be the best all-around line in Michigan high school hockey right now. All three super talented, all three capable of playing at the next level. Uh, and for different reasons, right? There's different elements of each one's game uh, that stood out to me. And I think they kind of accent and play off of each other in a really, uh, really impressive way. Wade, to me, uh, you know, like I said, just really, sh really shown to be the straw that stirs the drink on that line and, and for that team. 20 points in 12 games. He's a guy who's dangerous with and without the puck, uh, which you don't see. Uh, you don't see enough at the Michigan high school hockey level. So uh, something that's really unique about him. And I think he's just a really complete, well-rounded player. So these aren't easy decisions. And I'll, I'll put out my maybe final six players with a couple honorable mentions here uh, on pdspicks.com. But that at least gives you a bit of a tease or some of the names uh, that I've been stewing over the last couple weeks as far as, all right, if I'm putting together my dream team, uh, my three forwards, my two D and a goalie. Who am I looking at? Well, there you go. There's a couple of the names I'm considering for my personal dream team. Uh, and always, you know, open to, uh, open to hear yours as well. So, you know, reach out to me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, hell, you can leave a comment here on YouTube too. Uh, I would appreciate that as well. And, and have some of that back and forth and some of that discussion as we get closer to the end of the season. Uh, and some of these accolades actually being dished out. So, uh, okay, let me get into a couple of the games of the week. And if you haven't seen it yet, obviously I put that out on social media. It's on pdspicks.com as well. I think there's 11 games. I put 11 games on the slate uh, that I kind of got dialed in for tonight and then all day tomorrow. Uh, let, me, let me get a little swig here. We're going on. We've got 19 minutes of unfiltered PD there. I got to take a breath and take a break. Uh, okay, so games of the week. There was just a couple matchups I thought that were uh, maybe a little extra intriguing of the 11 that I highlighted. And again, you can see all 11 uh, on the website and can make your picks as well. Um, love, love some of that participation from, I've kind of deemed you the public, PD versus the public. Uh, with the picks, and so that's a little fun there. Uh, but a couple matchups here. Farmington United and Livonia United is just kind of an intriguing matchup to me because of what um, 
Coach Anthony Leeds has been doing there with Farmington. It, he's been building it up, you know, basically from ground zero, uh, you know, in year three now. I think his first year, they only won two games, and I think they were the last two games of the season that season. I could be mistaken, but, you know, I saw some pretty lengthy losing streaks and, and obviously some tough times there for Farmington. But uh, I think the pendulum is starting to swing back the other way. And, you know, they're, they're playing hockey, kind of starting to play hockey the right way. And there's some structures and systems in place and, uh, you know, the turning of the tides. You know, I talked to a couple of these kids at their at their media day before the season, and they were just talking about how the program is perceived in the hallways of the schools. And to me, that really stood out to me because that's where it starts, right? You, the, the, the attitude or, or opinion of what the hockey players in the schools think about the program itself. And you get one or two top kids to come. And then those one or two kids persuade two or three more kids to come. And now like, that's kind of how the turning of the tides happens in the hallways. And now you're starting to build, uh, you know, build a program there. I say all that because I think a matchup against Livonia United, uh, one of those kind of mid-major KLAA teams, I think this is an opportunity there for Farmington United to really put a pretty big feather in their cap at the moment, a program that, again, is building and and hoping to be on the way up. I think this is one of those big hurdles for them, and if they can pull off uh, a big win on the road against a Livonia United team that actually beat them, uh, I believe towards the end of November. So kind of unusual for two non-conference op- opponents to play each other twice in the same season, but Livonia United beat Farmington eight to four, I believe pulled away late with a couple late goals. Uh, so Farmington going on the road against a KLAA opponent that they've already lost to. If you can kind of write the ship there and, and pull off a win, I think that's a big spot uh, for coach there and, and for the program as a whole. So uh, definitely an intriguing one to me that goes down, I believe, tonight at six o'clock. So I'll keep an eye out for that one. Uh, another one here, and I'm going to spend some time on Cap City, so I won't go into this game too much. Uh, but I just think Cap City gets the win over Hancock tomorrow afternoon. Uh, it's a unique one. Cap City plays Houghton tonight, which is going to be a, a buzzsaw, going to be a tough one. Uh, but I think that game can kind of set the tone. Win, lose, or draw in that one tonight, I think, prepares them, sets them up well for uh, another tough game tomorrow against Hancock. Cap City, I'm going to get into them in a little bit. It's just a team I'm starting to like more and more and more. And another program continuing to build, but build in a big way. Like I'd consider them maybe a little bit farther ahead in the process than a Farmington United, right? Cap City has won a couple regional titles, been to the quarterfinals. Um, been close to making it to Plymouth. I think they're getting to a point now where they're ready to, to break through. And I think a win like this against the top 25, top 20, top 15-ish team there in Hancock uh, would put them on the map in a big way and turn some heads uh, from people around the state going, ooh, Cap City beat Hancock? Like, So I'm going on record early, right? Game is tomorrow. I believe Cap City wins that game. I'll get into some of those reasons here in a bit too. Uh, Sault Ste. Marie and De La Salle was kind of an intriguing one to me. Sault Ste. Marie, I think, has a ton to prove in this game. It's a huge opportunity for them as well. Uh, Sault Ste. Marie is only a couple of years removed from, I'll say, some rough seasons where, you know, you're only winning a handful of games. I want to, what was it, like five or six or seven games 
just a couple of seasons ago and then won 20 games last season against some pretty stellar, you know, pretty solid competition. But now I feel like that competition really gets elevated against an opponent like De La Salle, who by some outlets are a top 10 team in the state. I believe I have them top 15, top 12. Uh, so I'm not quite as high on De La Salle, but I think like my hockey rankings, for instance, has, uh, has the pilots in the top 10. So Sault Ste. Marie can pull off a win like that. You know, they've got really solid goaltending. De La Salle isn't exactly an offensive juggernaut. You know, they've got one really talented line. Uh, but outside of that, you know, if, if the Blue Devils can keep it a low scoring game at home, stranger things have happened, right? So uh, Blue Devils pull off an upset there. That That's a big win for uh, for a program, another program kind of on the rise there. So. Uh, and then the last one, really kind of the main event of the weekend for me, any boxing fans or MMA fans out there kind of get the reference, but uh, Byron Center taking on Bay Reps. Bay Reps have a tough game tonight against Grand Rapids Catholic Central that I mentioned, uh, but tomorrow night, Byron Center undefeated, putting that streak on the line against a really tough Bay Reps team. Uh, so that should be a fun one. A ton of talent on the ice. I mentioned Froisland. Uh, Pratt, Grant Lucas, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of options here on the ice. It should be a fun one to watch for sure. And, um, and an opportunity for any scout, anybody watching hockey, anything like that to get your eyes on as many as half a dozen kids with, uh, with junior hockey potential at some level. Um, so it should be a fun one there. Uh, okay. We'll move on from games of the week. That was maybe even a little bit more time than I wanted to spend on it, to be honest with you. Like I said, there's way more analysis, breakdown, stats, players to watch, all that. If you check out the uh, Games of the Week article on pdspicks.com. So uh, I'll even, after I post the video, I'll, I'll drop a link to the Games of the Week here in the description so you'll have that. So, uh, okay, let me circle back a little bit. So I was watching, I took the holiday break to kind of watch some games some older games on Live Bar, and I went back and watched some teams that I was kind of chomping at the bit to see, things like that. Uh, I watched Cap City and Manistique from last week. Manistique, I really wanted to watch because of Manistique, and there's kind of been this mystery, uh, almost a mystique to kind of play on the whole Manistique. Uh, just intrigue about this team because there wasn't a lot of information out there about them. I I had to go to their Facebook page and, and ask for a roster just to know who, who some of these kids were. Uh, there was no stats available on the hub yet. That's slowly started to make its way uh, onto the site. So, uh, but a relatively new program, a lot of unknowns about it in general. Um, so I, I watched the game more interested in Manistique and just kind of taking a peek behind the curtain, what this, what they were all about. Um, because they pulled off some big wins, kept some games close against some really top level teams. And, and so I was definitely intrigued uh, by the Emeralds, I believe. That's a new one to me. So, uh, but watching them play Cap City, Cap City, I was really impressed by. Now it's a team, you know, I mentioned um, kind of been on the rise over the last couple of years. Coach Joe Ford uh, has done a tremendous job with this program. Uh, and they've gotten to a point now where they've sustained regional success, multiple regional championships. 
uh, under his leadership and, and, uh, and have produced some really high level players, no less from the Lansing area. And now I think they're starting to take like the next step to statewide competition, being able to skate with the heartlands of the world, being able to skate with the Byron centers of the world. They're going to get a chance to prove that tonight and tomorrow against Houghton, against Hancock, against top 25 teams. You know, they, they went from scratching and clawing to winning to, to win a regional championship to now kind of scratching and clawing to get some of those top 10, top 15, top 20 opponents on their schedule. Uh, so a program that's been building, right. But then to see some of these players on the ice, the way they play, there's some special pieces here that really stood out to me. Chase Potter right off the top was probably the most impressive, maybe their best forward up front. And he's a sophomore. Uh, I believe he's a 2007 and was just nothing fancy, nothing over the top that'll razzle dazzle or really wow you, but he's got a motor. He goes, he can handle the puck, makes plays with the puck on his stick. Uh, when he doesn't have the puck, he's a bit of a puck hound and, and, and jumping into passing lanes and, and getting his nose dirty a little bit and, and just playing the game the right way, the play, the way you want kids to play the game. So, uh, you know, I had a hearing rumblings, you know, there's, there's people out there who believe this kid is capable of playing D one hockey. Um, and, and he's a little small ish, a little undersized, but he's a sophomore. He's going to grow, right. He's going to fill out and, and things like that. So when I hear those types of claims, I don't doubt it given the way he plays, uh, and the things he does and, you know, if you can couple that skating ability with your playmaking ability, there aren't very many who kind of have that best of both worlds that it takes to play high level junior hockey, to play division one college hockey. So to hear those claims, I'm like, yeah, I, I could buy that. You know, a lot's got to happen over the next two and a half, you know, four and a half years, even if, if you want to go juniors, you know, a lot's got to happen, but I could see it. Uh, so cap city to have a kid like that on the roster, that's incredible. And then you factor in guys like Will Tucker, Toby Perot, Trevor Nightingale. Those were all guys that stood out to me as well. I believe all three of those guys are 07s. Perot might even be an 08. I'm not positive. I'd have to check my notes, but, uh, Will Tucker was kind of a, uh, a go hard fire hydrant type, you know, short low to the ice, but he is, he's a buzzsaw just flying all over finishing checks, getting dirty on the four check, uh, making, just making things happen, making it hard for opponents to play against him, right? Making, making opposing defenses life's difficult. Uh, Trevor Nightingale, he's one I've seen, you know, going back to the MDHL and everything, uh, this fall, I was hoping to see a little bit more out of him. I think this time around, he, he looked like he was uh, maybe thinking a little too much, trying to, all right, where do I got to be? Where do I got to go? Like a little bit too much of that. And you'd like to see it just kind of flow or come a little more naturally. Uh, so that may kind of depend on the game, right? I, maybe I just caught him on a bit of an off night, but, um, but I know ultimately what he's capable of. Like I said, having seen him a good amount there in the fall. So uh, he's a guy I know can play at a high level. Um, and, and some of that, again, he's young. So as you kind of start to develop, you get acclimated with the speed of high school hockey, that kind of natural progression or flow of the game will start to come to you a little bit more. So, uh, and then Toby Perot was probably the one I was most impressed by just cause I didn't know as much about him. Potter, Tucker, Nightingale. I saw a bunch of them 
like I said, in the fall, Perot was a little fresh to me. Um, and nothing fancy, nothing that's going to wow you on the back end, but he just did the right things. He was right place, right time. Uh, wasn't taking unnecessary risks, wasn't overhandling pucks, uh, was quick on retrievals and moved it up. And then ultimately the puck got out of his own because of it. Like that's what I love to see out of defensemen, especially young defensemen, no less where, um, they're not trying to overdo it. They're not trying to overcomplicate it. They're keeping things simple. And ultimately by doing that, it leads for success for you and success for the team because you're not, you know, uh, worked with uh, uh, Kyle Zagata at Celine. And he always said, you know, the best defensemen are the ones you don't notice. If you're noticing a defenseman, it's usually for the wrong reasons. Oh, he fumbled a puck. Oh, he tried to do too much. Oh, he turned it over. When you don't, you know, we'd be like, oh, how was so-and-so tonight? Well, I don't, I don't know. I didn't really notice him, you know, like he didn't, didn't do anything wrong. Those are tend to be some of your better, more consistent, uh, sneaky, good uh, defensemen there on the back end where you, you really got to pay attention because when everything goes right, nobody notices. When something goes wrong, that's when, that's when shit really hits the fan, right? So uh, that to me was kind of Toby Perot. Everything was going right. So you didn't, you'd have to really dial in and focus on him to notice him because everything was going right. Puck came to him. He moved it up. Play The puck was going where it needed to go. Uh, so ultimately, definitely things you want to see uh, out of a, out of a defenseman there. So Perot really shot up the charts for me uh, after watching him in that game. And then the last thing, which is probably the most important thing I think here with Cap City, everything I hear, it's a very cohesive group. Uh, and, and just a lot of good within the locker room, which, which you love to see, right guys bonding tight knit group. I think of like U of M football, that's the narrative we keep hearing, uh, about them is some of the controversy and, and all that stuff around the football program has only brought that group tighter and closer. I don't know what the circumstances are necessarily around cap city. I just know, uh, seems to be a very tight knit group, uh, a lot of buy-in, uh, uh, a lot of guys having each other's backs and, and through thick and thin, just a, a tight knit group. Uh, and it shows and kind of bleeds through if you watch them play. You know, I, what stood out to me, I saw third and fourth line guys who were committed and executed and more disciplined on a four check than maybe any first line team I've ever, or first line I've ever coached. <laughs> like there was an instance where, uh, Manistique corralled the puck, came behind the net, and it was a bit of a scramble play. But then Cap City set up into its one, two, two, four check and sat back and just waited. And it was almost like those standoffs that you see at the NHL level where the defenseman kind of sets up behind the net and he takes a breath and he's looking around and he's assessing. But Cap City wasn't going to tip their hand. And this was their their depth guys, third, fourth line guys playing this disciplined, this uh, they knew what the game plan was, and they weren't gonna they weren't going to um, vary from it. And, and to me, that was really impressive when you can get that type of buy-in from some of uh, your middle of the lineup guys. That can go a long way, right? Like when people, when players know their roles, can accept their roles, and then buy in and, and play well and exceed or excel in those roles that only sets you up for success as a team, right? You got your top end guys doing what top end guys got, need to do. You got your role player guys doing what your role players need to do, blocking shots, no goals against, 
uh, back checking hard, some of those types of things like really sets you up for success. So I, I came out of that game super high uh, on Cap City. Again, maybe why I'm maybe even feeding into my pick there uh, for tomorrow over Hancock. And hey, could very easily be proven wrong. Hancock is an exceptional team. Uh, Todd Capella may even be the best player on the ice when those two teams play tomorrow. Uh, so it, it's going to be a, a tough game there. It should be a fun one because I think both are super, super well coached, disciplined, good back and forth. It's going to be a bit of a chess match there, I think, on the benches between opposing four checks. So it should be fun to watch. But uh, OK, that was a lot uh, on a couple teams there. Let me dive into another game I watched uh, just last night, actually. Marquette and Heritage. This game was about a month ago, but uh, again, just teams that I wanted to get eyes on. I'd seen a little bit of Marquette before, and Heritage was kind of fresh to me. You know, I mentioned on the blog on pdspicks.com that my New Year's resolution was to watch more SVL games. <laughs> and so I started right off the bat and, and dove in on a Heritage game. Uh, Marquette was really impressive to me. Four lines. Uh, hardworking, well-coached, just relentless uh, effort there on the forecheck, uh, coming back defensively. Heritage didn't have a whole lot of opportunities because of just that overwhelming pressure and presence on a forecheck and, and then uh, sound defensively in the D zone as well. So uh, my biggest takeaway probably, and, and this was a kid who, uh, you know, I've mentioned earlier in the season, Seth Sandstrom, is the best freshman in the state, in my opinion. And I'm not, not sure it's close. Like, as I'm watching film, I've got numbers in front of me. So I don't necessarily know who's who until I connect some of those dots after the fact. And, you know, 17 just kept jumping out to me, just kept jumping out to me. And wow, that was aggressive forecheck. Why? Wow, for a little guy, he got physical and out, and out muscled that, you know, a bigger defenseman just 17 constantly kept making plays. And then finally I was like, all right, I got to look it up. Right. I got to know who's who. And sure as shit, 17 is, is Seth Sandstrom. Like he's a guy who fantastic skater seems very well coached. He's right place, right time. He gets the puck and he's making snap decisions pretty quickly. Like he knows where he's going with the puck before it gets to him type stuff, uh, which you don't see very often out of, out of, you know, 14, 15 year old kids at this level. So Sandstrom was very impressive to me at times, even seemed to be Marquette's best defenseman. I think at this time they were, they were without Nash Reapy, which I think plays a bit of a factor there, but there's a, there's a ton of talented forwards for Marquette and just hardworking guys that were scrappy. And, uh, you know, I'd take just about any one of them on my team, to be honest with you, the way they um, were disciplined and, and feet constantly moving. Uh, some of that, some of them might not be as pretty or, or as effective, but working hard, well coached, you know, hard on the ice, hard off the ice, that type of stuff, which you love to see as a coach too. So um, Sandstrom, you know, there was one instance, you know, for a guy who's five foot six and 120 pounds, at, at least according, you know, to the website uh, was able to just smart, clever out muscle. You know, there was an instance where he got into a puck battle with, uh, Owen Turner, which is Heritage's top, top defenseman, senior defenseman, big kid. Uh, and he kind of out edged Turner to get to the puck, shielded him, kept him on his back, and then made a centering pass for a great scoring chance uh, that didn't happen to go in. But it's still that 
the wherewithal and, and knowledge to kind of understand, you know, how to maneuver and, and use his body to his advantage, even despite being undersized, was able to make that play and, and ultimately create a scoring chance. So, and, and no knock on Turner either on the back end. I mean, him, him and Logan Betcher are a really solid pairing there on the back end for heritage. Uh, they just don't quite have a ton of depth up front, uh, and especially at that level where you're playing a, a potentially top 10, top 15 in this team team in this state. Uh, you know, couple that with, you know, maybe your top two players in, in Turner and Betcher playing on the back end just kind of makes things difficult, I think, there for Heritage a little bit. And I, I don't necessarily know that there's uh, a fix to it, but I've just seen uh, teams who excel from the back end you know, some of their top players are defensemen. It can make scoring in uh, when you need offense, right? Where you're trailing by a goal or late in a game and things like that, where you need offense, it can make it hard to produce uh, when you're leaning on your defenseman. And I think of uh, Gibraltar Carlson, when I saw them at the MIHL KLAA showcase, that was another instance where uh, a couple top defensemen really carried that team. And if you're chasing a lead, it's really hard to kind of get those back uh, when you're relying on your defensemen to produce offensively. And I think that's kind of the similar situation there for Heritage, where um, not super deep up front, really young. I saw a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the roster. Uh, so it's a young team, and, and you're leaning on guys like Turner and Betcher to probably do a lot there. Um, and, and that's tough to do. They're sound defensively, but then when you're kind of leaning on them for offense too, it's, it's just a challenge. It's just a challenge. So um, I did kind of like, I, I will mention this though. I did kind of like Landon Hayward in net for, for heritage. Um, he's a, f- a freshman goalie. I haven't seen too many freshman uh, goalies for any program around the state, really, especially ones that have played eight games like Hayward has for the Hawks. Uh, you know, if you, again, if you are only going to look at a kid's box score or their stats, it's not going to tell the whole story. His goals against and his save percentage aren't going to blow you away. It's not uh, numbers that, that will impress on the surface. But if you watch him in net, you know, he's pretty fluid movement. He looks pretty good. Uh, there's pieces there, I, I think, that as he develops and grows and, and you know, gains experience, uh, could actually round out in a, into a really successful goalie at the high school level for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I think there's something there. There's enough potential there uh, that it's going to be tough. I think this season because of maybe the lack of depth and, and lack of experience there for heritage or the lack of experience for Hayward as he kind of gets up to game speed you know, that first year, especially as a freshman, is always tricky uh, at the high school level. Uh, and I can't imagine then being a freshman in net transitioning to that speed, too. So uh, but he's one. There's pieces. There's elements of his game that I like. And I think uh, I think he's got good potential there um, to really round out into a good goalie. And like I said, I haven't seen many freshman goalies in net for anybody. State. I know there's don't get me wrong. I know there's freshman goalies out there. Uh, but I don't think there's any that have started eight games the way Hayward has. So uh, definitely one that really stood out to me, re- regardless of the numbers. Uh, nobody else in the in the age or in the age group in the in the graduating class 
uh, is doing or has done what Hayward has done thus far this season. So uh, in the opposite net, though, I did like Cole Kelly a lot. Kelly is a junior uh, for Marquette. I very quickly put him in the mix among some of the top junior goaltenders in the state after what I saw. You know, I got Brady Hubenschmidt from Heartland, Will Keen from Orchard Lake. All those guys are kind of in that discussion amongst the class of 2025. Um, you know, Kelly was just real crisp movements, tracked the puck really well. I thought he stayed square. You know, Heritage may not have challenged him a ton. There were not, not a lot of like tic-tac-toe plays or desperation saves that he had to make. But I just thought he was solid in that for Marquette there. So uh, I'm going to keep working my way through some old games. I'll, I'll try to share my thoughts on anything I see as I go back through uh, the live barn arch- archives there. I get backlogs like 45 days or 60 days or something like that. So I think you could still watch games from the first month of the season uh, if if, uh, if you wanted to. But uh, so I got a couple of things on my radar. I mentioned uh, the SVL teams uh, and wanting to get eyes on teams like Midland, Midland Dow, Bay City. I watched a little bit of, but would like to see again. So Flint Powers uh, and then the Maha showcase last month, um, kind of going back through and and getting eyes on some of the AAA teams as well. To this point, I think I've I've watched 40 Michigan high school hockey teams. And every AAA team at the 16U, 15U, and 14U age levels. My goal is to, is to see all 130 uh, high school hockey teams in the state in some capacity throughout you know the the course of the season. So uh, I am going to get a chance though to see I think 24 teams, 24 of those teams in action next weekend in Traverse City. I'm uh, going to be at the North South Showcase. Uh, and there's going to be some top teams in action there. M1 United, EGR, Byron Center, Howell, Bay Reps, obviously. Some of these teams I've seen before, but there's a lot that uh, will kind of be the, the first time I get eyes on them. So it uh, should be a fun weekend. You know, I'll have a, I'll have a good preview next week uh, that I'll obviously put on pdspicks.com and, and feature, you know, I'll give you games of the week selections for all 24 games from Traverse City. How about that? So. Uh, I might put me in some hot water there with some teams uh, pick, picking against some of those teams in action and, and being in the building too. So nonetheless, should be fun. Looking looking forward to uh, being at the rink, center, center ice arena. Yeah, center ice arena is all too fond of as a player, as a coach, uh, as a fan with the uh, Detroit Red Wings training camp. I've, I've spent a good amount of time at the, at the arena over the last – many years I'll say. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll even, uh, kind of tease some content here. Maybe I'll even put together like a all showcase team coming out of the event as well. We'll highlight some of the top performers from Traverse city. So, uh, so be sure to like, and subscribe on YouTube, follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify, uh, connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and stay up to date on everything I've mentioned. Plus there's so much more uh, then what I've even talked about today on the podcast, you can check it out at pdspicks.com is your home for everything youth hockey in the state of Michigan. So uh, until next time, skate hard, have fun. I'll see you at the rink soon.